this is the Pie Boy Podcast. Welcome to the Pie Boy Podcast. This is Casey, a.k.a. Sparky, and I've got a story to tell. Chapter 3, Married to a Brick. A couple years later, Aunt Tina married Frank. A bunch of my family, their friends, Frank's family, his best friends, some athletes and celebrities would descend on an old cattle ranch on the Swan River in Montana to watch Aunt Tina marry Frank. It was the middle of nowhere, but so beautiful. Their next-door neighbor at the ranch was the infamous Hank Williams Jr. Look him up. One of the best stories was how Dad and Uncle Scooter pissed off my mom and her friend on the road trip to Montana. Somewhere on the road, the two jokers got drunk and started talking shit. Amateur stuff. My mom made the two grown babies sleep their drunk asses on the picnic tables outside the Silver Dollar Bar on Highway 96. Dad still complains about not even getting a pillow in the deal. All the guests slept in teepees from the movie Dances with Wolves. Each unit of the teepees had an old-fashioned chuck wagon with a crew of cooks that would be on call to cook most of the day and night. It was a real sweet deal. Uncle Scooter and my dad said they could have lived there forever. Not everyone else was that thrilled. Frank's teammate from the San Antonio Spurs, David Robinson, the Hall of Famer, showed up in a cab and didn't believe his eyes. The door flew open and two long legs poked out the side. He got out of the cab and asked a group of guests, Hey there, where's Frank and Tina? Where's the hotel? Where's the motel? The group of people just laughed hysterically and walked away in shame when they saw the confused look in his eyes. My dad was the one that broke it to the admiral that there was no hotel, motel, or even lodge. He said, hey man, you didn't hear? We're sleeping in the teepees from the movie Dances with Wolves. My dad still giggles about that. Charlie Sheen was there with his porn star girlfriend, Ginger Lynn. She didn't bring a coat to the outdoor wedding excursion, and my mom still badmouths her for being so dumb. They went to an army surplus store a few hours away and got her an army-issue olive green bomber jacket. Charlie Sheen came to the wedding armed to the teeth with guns from his personal collection, many of them being for movies he acted in, like Platoon, which was my favorite. Frank also had a small arsenal himself in his giant gun safe in his manhouse. During some of the downtime, the man boys went shooting. Uncle Frank, his buddies, Uncle Scooter, Gramps, Uncle Bob, and my dad shot skeet with Charlie and company. My dad bought an M16 to shoot. It was nothing compared to these bad hombres, though. Charlie Sheen at one point was shooting skeet with a grenade launcher. I wish I could make this shit up. They shot so much that my dad melted the barrel on his gun. There are more stories about the actual wedding, but those stories always get washed out by the wild and adult-friendly parts. The pictures painted a stunning vision of the experience it was unbelievable looking i can't really speak to how great it was i was a little kid and was left in the care of my grandma norma 
The pictures of my mom, Graham, Graham's uncle Scooter, Aunt Tina, Frank, and the rest makes me wish I was old enough to go to the wedding and be a part of the stories. Chapter 3 continued. Oregon wins again. This was a drunken saying earned, used, and ran into the ground by my dad, Uncle Scooter, and Frank's best buds. People partied their tails off, especially dad and Scooter. It happened every night of the wedding trip. They would party harder and longer than anyone, and the East Coast dudes thought they were out of this world. This was basketball players, wrestlers, and old tough guys from a whole different bad side of town. The two pie boys from Milwaukee, Oregon could hang with anyone and anything. They were aggressive characters burning like Roman candles on a warm night in July. I'm certain Uncle Scooter and Dad were lit in a rare form. I've seen it in their golden years, but not their primes. I would have never challenged them in their partying in prime. I would have ended up in a ditch somewhere. They were indestructible tough guys and like children all at the same time. Hmm, what a story. Um, It's weird to think about weddings now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I work uh, in month seven of this thing. And... There hasn't been a wedding. It's not smart to have big gatherings of people. And really, I think people have realized it's really important to have the wedding with all those people. Like, yeah, it's one thing to have a party um, and celebrate it. But do you need all the other stuff? I don't know. But the times that we're in make us think of those things and think about what's really important, which is going going down and signing the papers and like taking care of all the business, but then having a party. Man, I wish I could have been at this party. 1991, old Charlie Sheen was there. I still can't believe that Charlie Sheen was friends with Frank. Who knows how that really happened. I can't really speak to their relationship. I just knew they were friends for a while. I even met Charlie Sheen at one point after this, probably like six or seven years later. He was really nice, but to think of him then compared to now with the Tiger Blood era and all the things we know about him now, which are very sketchy and misleading and scary. But it seems like my family is always friends or connected to crazy people. We're crazy people. Everybody's crazy in some way, but I feel like we are some kind of lighthouse or beacon for these crazy people. They find us some way or another. Well, Charlie found us. I think he got a kick out of my side of the family. I'm sure he liked Frank and all, but we know who he really liked. Tina. Aunt Tina, me and my dad and Gramps and Grandma and Uncle Scooter, Uncle Bob, all the real people, the good people. Um, ah, oh, that story about Ginger Lynn. Ah, I love that story. It's so funny. 
So I found that jacket in my mom's closet when I was about 20 years old. And I had been staying down at the coast with my grandparents and my mom. And there was a lot of stuff there from when I had been growing up. And I recognized things that were in the closet and like jackets and shirts and other things, kind of relics from growing up and my mom's childhood and things like different things that she wore or uncle Chad wore grandpa or different people. And there's this jacket. And I just, I hope I just remember opening the closet and be like, I've seen that before and I can wear that now, which sounds weird, but it wasn't at all. And I remember taking it to my mom one day when I was there, like, mom, can I wear this jacket? And she said, yeah. And, you know, there's a story with that jacket. And I was like, what's the story? And I was thinking it was going to be something about like grandpa or uncle Chad or my dad or somebody like that. But no, it was Ginger Lynn's girl or Ginger Lynn, uh, Charlie Sheen's girlfriend that went to the wedding that my mom talked so much shit about. And she had stole the jacket after this dummy didn't bring a jacket, then got a jacket. So my mom stole it. She was so mad at her or for whatever reason, but I think it's funny. And I used to tell people these stories all the time and they didn't believe me. A lot of people still don't believe me. You might not believe me listening to this now and that's your problem. But I tell these things, how I see them and how I've heard them with full confidence. Um, But I remember wearing the jacket once when I was going to Portland state and riding the 33 bus from Milwaukee to Portland state. And this one man stopped me and asked me about the jacket. And he actually was in the army at one point, And that was the jacket that he was issued in the eighties, um, which is very funny. And he really loved that I was wearing it and treating it well or something. So then I told him the story about Ginger Lynn and he blew a gasket. He couldn't believe that. He didn't believe the Charlie Sheen thing for sure. And he didn't believe that she was there even. Let alone the part about my mom stealing the jacket and then me wearing it. Um, But yeah, I used to tell all kinds of hipsters and, weirdos and randoms at bars and house parties and on campus and off campus, wherever apartments and all over Southeast about this Jack. Cause I wore it all the time. I loved it. It was great. Kept you warm when it was cold and kept you cool. When it was cool out, it was a perfect jacket for like three quarters of the year. And if you're from Oregon, you understand that. Um, let's see. Oh, David Robinson. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy to think about him being there too and being bamboozled by Frank and whoever, or whoever didn't communicate it that they are sleeping outside. And my dad loves, well, he at least believes that he's the one that told him and was there. And I want to believe that too, because I don't know. I haven't heard any other stories about it. But that just kills me that they did that to him. 
I just see those two long legs poking out. My dad would always describe it like that. Like, oh no, I don't think he knows where he's at. And uh, I wish I could have been there. Looking back at all the photos and hearing the other stories, the ones that I didn't tell, the more like intimate and personal and family oriented things, made me, it just makes me want to be older so I could have been there. I was only like three and I stayed with my grandma and I do remember staying with my grandma, which is weird now. Everybody left and I was sad, but I see the pictures and I don't feel sad that I wasn't there now. I just, I feel like some FOMO or something like not left out, but I just know it would have been fun. I wish I could have had a Charlie Sheen story besides that one, me talking to him or something. Or just being in, in any of those pictures or just look like a, a wedding magazine or something. And it must have been fun out in Montana. Being neighbors with Hank Williams Jr. Who I was supposed to meet at one point. But Frank didn't let me. Um, he was worried that. Hank was too crazy or who knows how he's going to be. He's kind of a, a loose cannon or something. And he didn't want to take 13 year old me over there. I'm still a little bitter about it. He took Howie Long and Chris Long over there instead of me, but that's okay. Maybe I wasn't supposed to meet him. It's not a big deal, but it could have been a good story. That's the only thing I feel bad about. Well, that's the end of chapter three. And I hope that you come and listen again next time. Uh, make sure you check out um, the Pie Boy Podcast on anchor.fm for forward slash Pie Boy Podcasts. You can send me questions uh, through messages, or you could also send me a voicemail if you have questions about some of the things I'm talking about in the stories. Um, a lot of them have references um, to things that maybe you don't know about or you do know about and you want to know more. Hit me up. I'd appreciate it and it'd be fun to talk to you more. Uh, also, make sure to check out the Pie Boy podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's Instagram forward slash the Pie Boy Podcast. Can't miss it. See you next time and happy hunting. Hey, what's up? It's the Pie Boy Podcast coming to you from the beginning of June. Getting after it. Uh, sparky. Ready for a new week and a new poem. Uh, today's poem is called Layers and it comes from a little work. I was doing uh, for in April for National Poetry Month. Came from a brainstorm, uh, three different brainstorms that end up being the three parts of your poem, three sections, three stanzas, and uh, a lot of the brainstorming was about sensory language. So talk about the five senses, and the first one was about uh, food and. Uh, something that you taste in your mouth and I think the second part was having a conversation with your body and then the last part was talking about uh, starting a new religion 
and it all snowballed from there. And I call it layers because there's layers to these ideas, there's layers to these associations, there's layers to this work uh, of being a writer and a poet. Um, this week, some of the work or some of the music that kind of speaks to my work and I'm just pumped up on is this new album uh, called Problems by Dust Raps the Blues. Somebody that I have uh, personal connections to. We share uh, a few friendships. My tattoo artist, Nate Luna, shout out the Hive Tattoo. Um, is friends with Dust um, from other creative adventures. So that's how I found out about him uh, over 10 years ago. And I love this guy. He's a local hip-hop person that I can tell does a lot of work and puts a lot of work into his craft. I think he's a wordsmith. I think he's a poet, not just a, a rapper. I think he's a writer, a really great one. And I really enjoy his vibe, and it speaks to my vibe. Um, he's somebody, he puts his emotions on his sleeve. He puts his, like, truths out there, his experiences, uh, self-loathing, and um, dealing with depression, and dealing with loss, and traumas, and graces of life, and talking about vices and all these things um, that we have the opportunity to pay attention to if we choose to and we can do something about we can all be better but we're all flawed too and he always reminds me that we're a human at the end of the day and I really appreciate his stuff because of that so let's get into it layers layers I taste a fresh dirt bomb grainy Sediment, musty, rich, putrid, cold, filthy. A time capsule of all the germs, dog shit, and broken down organic matter outside the decaying old Malala High School PE facility. I didn't think the dirt bomb 